Father, I want to thank you for the love that you have that was represented in that table, our table this morning, communion table. It is a beautiful picture of your love, a love story that you've written for us, your people. Thank you for community, for church. Thank you that we can be a part of it, that you've drawn us here. Thank you that you love us no matter what, in spite of us. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. 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 So this morning, chapter 13 of Hebrews. We've, we've, we're, we're there. We're so close. I think I can go about 18 to 20 weeks in chapter 13, and so then we'll be done. I promise. Now, as you kind of read through the, the New Testament, especially in the, the letters in the New Testament, um, you're going to find this kind of common thread or theme that the writers use. And what they do is they present to you some theology. This is kind of who God is. This is how God is revealing himself to you. They want people to understand the big picture. And that's what really the Bible is. The Bible is God's revelation to humanity. Okay, And so as they are writing about these things and they're explaining about these things, and then there will come a point where they say, okay, here's how that theology is lived out. Here, here's what it looks like in the day-to-day. Here's what it looks like in my life as an individual. Here's what it looks like in the life of, of a community. Now, that's kind of a, a big generalization, but, but it's this common thread that moves through uh, the Bible as it kind of unpacks who God is, and what is our response to him. Now, in the book of Hebrews, we see this split between chapters 11 and 12. In chapter 12, uh, the writer begins with this whole, you know, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witness, and, and, and he, he kind of likens this faith journey to a race, a long-distance race. And so what he has said is, here's all of the theology up to this point. Now, this is what it kind of looks like living this, this life of, of a Jesus follower. Now, that's the beauty of the scripture because it never leaves anything just kind of hanging in limbo. It always gives us the advantage of understanding, okay, here's God. This is who God is. This is who I am. And now this is how I can be living into who God is and how he's revealed himself. But now understand, again, this is just a big generalization of how these writers write because within all of the letters, you can find these little, uh, like, a, like a mini split. So a little bit of theology and then a little bit of application, a little bit of theology and a little bit of application. And that's what we find between chapters 12 and 13. So last week we ended with that, that statement, our God, my God, your God, our God is a consuming fire. And right away, In chapter 13, which is the new chapter we're beginning today. Now remember, this is written as a letter, so they wouldn't have chapter and verses in the letter. But he says, our God is a consuming fire, and then keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. And so we see this theological point, our God is a consuming fire. Now, because of that, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. So it it creates for us 
or defines for us this vertical relationship between us and God. Our God is a consuming fire. And then it goes right into the idea of a horizontal relationship of we need to love each other. How are we supposed to live within the context of each other? Keep on loving the brothers and the sisters. Now, it's nothing new to the New Testament. There's always this vertical relational thing with people and God and then the horizontal with, with people and people. You see it in the Ten Commandments. You know, the first four are about, are about this vertical relationship. You know, have no other gods before me. Keep hold of the Sabbath. Don't use my name in vain. And then number five and the last six are about this, this horizontal. Honor your father and your mother. And begins to unpack for us kind of what it looks like in the context of these types of relationships. And so it's very important for us to have a, a biblical understanding of who God is. Because that understanding affects everything, affects all of our relationships. It's important for us to know God's, God's might and his power and his wrath and his strength, and God's grace, and his mercy, and his love, and his forgiveness, because those are who he is. They're not exclusive of each other. That's the full package. And when we begin to understand that, we begin to live in a certain way. Our life reflects those truths in a very um, deliberate way. Our God is a consuming fire, our God is a consuming love, and our heart begins to respond to that as we live out this life here on earth, especially with each other. And so the writer, he wants to make sure that this church understands that they need to remember some things. They need to remember to get back to the basics. And so he begins chapter 13 this way. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Our God is a consuming fire Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. And so what's happening in this church that the, they're losing that loving feeling. Persecution has set in. They're, they're being persecuted as a church and they're losing that brotherly, sisterly love. Now when things get tough in church world, and, and not only from the outside pressing in, but, but actually inside the church, there's really two postures that a church can take. There's two responses that could happen. And one response is that the church can grow closer together. That the church can begin to, people begin to look past themselves and look at others and care about others and want to strengthen and come alongside others. We become more aware of, of other people, people's well-being and, and not just our own. There's this sense of, you know, we're going through this difficult time, so, so we're going we're gonna to team up because together, together we hang tougher than as we do as individuals. And so there's this response in the church that persecution or hard times can bring the church together. 
in, 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 a way that's, in a way that doesn't always happen when things are just going swimmingly. But then there's a possibility of another response to take place, and, and I've seen it played out in churches. And not necessarily because the church is being persecuted from the outside, but there's something going on in the inside. I would even say an attack from our enemy on the inside. And so when they go through challenges, things begin to change. And either they can draw together, or there's this, there's a spirit of grumpiness that takes place. And people seem to be pitted against other people in the church. And they become judgmental. And they begin to blame others for what's going on. And the church begins to divide. And a house divided cannot stand. A house divided will collapse. And so hard times can cause the very opposite of unity. It can cause division in the church. And when that division takes place, people get hurt. And I know that some of the deepest hurts we experience in life come from church. And I think, how, how horrible is that? How sad is that? And those hurts don't seem to go away very quickly or very easily. And so the writer here says, keep on loving the brothers and the sisters. Like, you're losing that. I know things are hard. I know, I know that they're not easy for you and you're being pressed. But keep on loving the brothers and the sisters. And see, that's not the, that's not the way churches begin. That's not the way it starts out. New churches just, they have this sense of community that's easy and unrushed. And it's, it's almost unscripted. There's this, just this, maybe it's the honeymoon phase. And so maybe this little Hebrew church went through that, but now they're, they're, they're moved beyond that. But, in, but when they started, they didn't start that way. And brotherly love was very evident, and it was natural for them. When Paul writes to the Thessalonian church in his first letter, he, he said, you know, about brotherly love, I don't even have to tell you about it because you're already living it. It's this natural flow in the church. And, and he tells them that you've been taught by God to love one another. And so when the brothers and the sisters love each other, there's something sacred and holy taking place because God has instilled it in us by the power of the Spirit that we can and should love each other. And when you're connected in that, that way, there's, there's an excitement about it. There's an excitement about gathering together as the saints and there's something sacred and holy about it. It's not just, our gathering on a Sunday, it's not just about the worship, though it's important, and you know, the, the teaching of the word, it's important, but it's also it's also about the cafe. Because sacred, holy conversations go on in the cafe. It's also about what happens that I see that happens in here. I don't know if you notice, but people are just talking and praying with each other in here. See, those parts are sacred and holy because that's that's defining and expressing the love for the brothers and the sisters. Brotherly love is taught by God to his church. Loving each other is part of who we are as God's children. And so when we're not, we're forsaking a, a very sacred teaching, a, a sacred command that God would have for us. Keep on loving the brothers and the sisters. And, and check this out in 1 John. 
We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. There's a lot going on in this verse, but basically it's saying, how do you know what's one of the criteria of your salvation? What's one of the criteria that you have passed from death to life? It's because you love the church. You love the brothers and the sisters. And those people who say they don't like Christian people, they don't like the church, they're in a dangerous place spiritually. And that's not my words. That's what the scripture teaches. They're in a dangerous place. Jesus in John chapter 13 he said this, that they're going to know you're, you're my disciples if you love each other. People will know that we follow Jesus if we love each other. Nothing discredits the church more than believers fighting against each other in a community. When believers are arrogant towards each other, when we lack patience and kindness towards each other. See, somehow, in some way, the world sees that. They see into the walls and they hear about it. And the name of Christ is beaten down and the church loses credibility. Nothing will garnish the term hypocrite about a Christian when we fight with each other and we're not loving to one another. Now this love, it's not an emotional feeling. It's not like when I walk in the room, everybody's like, whoo-hoo, there he is. No, it's not nothing like that. Because in the scripture, love is this, this decision. And so this is about willing a deliberate decision in your heart and soul to love each other. To push back how you're feeling and to love one another. It's about recognizing that each and every person that follows Jesus Christ in this building and that building and that seven or eight other churches that are meeting this morning just in this town, we all have one Father, our Father, who is in heaven our Father. We have one Father, which makes us brothers and sisters. And if you don't like it, well, it's kind of too bad because you are brothers and sisters in Christ. We have one Father. And it doesn't matter what the world does to us, how it pushes us down, how it may beat us up, what it may say about us. We are children, brothers and sisters of the living God. And so we have to be committed to doing those things and to saying those things that, that build community, that express love for each other. It's a will of the heart. It's a decision of the mind to keep on loving each other. And, and, you, know, and um, you know, sometimes in the context of love, hard conversations have to, be take, have to take place and, and it always doesn't feel loving. But I'm telling you, if, if you are coming to a brother and a sister, and, or a sister and you really love them, then your words, no matter what they are, are gonna reflect that. You don't come in arrogance. You don't come in pride. You don't come with, because you got it figured out and you know better. You come with, with an honest, caring and loving for them, and you will be received much more quickly than any other way. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. 
Hospitality, defined in Webster as the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. Hospitality. Now, you have to think, why is he writing about hospitality here? Well, it kind of goes hand in hand with loving the brothers and the sisters. Like when we love, hospitality is part of the natural outflow of of loving each other. And if you study history a little bit, the idea of hospitality was very, very important during this time when this letter was written. Inviting people into your home, giving them a place to stay. Because in this day, if you had to stay at an inn, it was a horrible, horrible experience. I'm talking bug infested. You could be robbed You could be set up to come in. They can charge you whatever they wanted to charge you. They can even charge you to leave and hold you hostage if they wanted to. They can charge you to take your stuff with you extra. Oh, oh, you want to take your, oh no, if you want to leave with your stuff, we're going to have to charge you more. And so staying in an inn was not advantageous to that loving feeling. And so it was important to the church who was being persecuted, who was being picked on, Anyway, that they would have a safe place to stay as they traveled. Now there's this, he throws this little thing in there. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. And he's going back to some Old Testament stories. Abraham, he showed hospitality to three strangers. They were angels. Uh, Gideon, he showed hospitality to an angel. Manoah entertained a, an angel, didn't even know it until he and his wife were told that they were going to give birth to Samson. And so what he's saying is like, like okay, if, if you show hospitality, maybe you're going to hit the angel lottery and you're going to get one. That's not kind of not the point here. The point is God's, God loves that heart of a person that we would be hospitable to each other. And in fact, it's so important that he has shown up as an angel. They didn't know, and these men showed hospitality to them. I wonder, I wonder today how many times it's happened where somebody showed hospitality to someone and it was actually an angel. And then I think, what if you were a jerk and it was an angel? Bummer for you. There's something about being invited into somebody's home. There's an intimacy that's experienced in that. There's, there are people within our community that that really have that gift of hospitality. Like like you feel it when you get there. I mean, they're the people that you can just kind of pop in on anytime, and they don't care if their house is a mess, and, 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 and you're like, oh my gosh, your house is a mess, and they don't even care that it doesn't have to be company clean for them. So there's this real gift that people, and I used to joke about you know, the gift of hospitality, but I'm learning more and more. It's, it's, it's unmistakable when you're invited into that home, and it goes beyond just, can I get you a glass of water? It goes beyond just meeting someone's need. This is about a posture of their heart. What's that saying? It says that home is where the heart is. 
And when you open your home to somebody, you open your heart to them. It's why we're doing, that's why I've been very much convicted of our, our small groups that are rolling out. That you're meeting in homes, you're, you're belonging in, the, in, a, in a smaller sense, in a more intimate sense. And you're seeking God together. And, and I think there's a couple more spaces open and maybe one or two. Dana, do we have any more spaces open in the small groups? So if you aren't signed up and you want to, sign up. And I will guarantee if you're signed up for one that's full, I know the pastor, I think he can push you in. See, community happens on a much deeper, much deeper level outside of these walls and in people's homes. And there's, there's something very holy and there's something sacred about it because relationship moves beyond just the surface. And it gets, you, you, you get to know people and you're known by people. And who knows? You might have a stranger come into your small group. Might be an angel. Just saying, just throwing it out there. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing so, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are or mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. All right, so this statement here, verse three, it goes beyond just us setting up a prison ministry. We have to understand the context of what was going on in the historical context. And again, this comes down to a, a posture within someone's heart. Back then, when you got thrown in jail, you didn't get three squares and a cop. You didn't have medical attention. You, didn't, uh, you weren't able to finish an education. You got nothing when you were thrown in jail. You got no food, you had no clothes, except the ones on your back. You had nothing to sleep on, no blankets, and you were at the mercy of your friends and family to come and to supply those needs for you. Friends and family would have to come and bring you food, bring you water, bring you clothes. Or if they didn't, you got nothing. You would starve in jail. And so the challenge was, Someone's in jail. I'm going to go visit them. I am now associated with this person in jail. I can be looked upon as some type of accomplice or an associate or connected to this person who's in jail. I am meeting this person's needs and it would have raised red flags. Now bring this all into the context of this little church who are people are going to jail because they're part of what was considered then this new cult they, they, these people, they, they, they worship this, this guy who was killed on a cross and is supposed to rise from the dead. And, and they consider this movement of faith a cult. And people were imprisoned for it. And it would have been dangerous for your own safety to go to these jails and minister to the brothers and the sisters there, to bring them food, to bring them water, to bring them clothes. You too could have been arrested. You too could have been followed. You too could have been ratted on and you could have went to jail with them. You were in fear of your own safety by coming alongside someone who's in jail. You could wind up in jail yourself. Continue to remember those in prisons as if you were together with them. 
and those who are mistreated as you yourselves were suffering. You know, it's well documented that the church, the Christian church, took care of their own very well, especially in the context of prison. They had a reputation in the pagan community that these church people, these, this, this, these members of the way, they really care for each other, and they don't seem to care about being associated with these people in jail. Now you could, they, they, could have, they could have completely disregarded the faith or whatever it was, but there was something different about them, how they loved each other. They cared for each other in spite of the ramifications that may happen. They were fearless when it came to serving each other. That's a sacrificial love. That's putting other people ahead of ourselves. That's making other people more important than ourselves. See, the pastor of this church wants this church to remember these things are foundational. These things are, they're, they're, they seem so simple, but yet they are so, so important. I'm, not, I'm sure that none of you are sitting here this morning going, oh, we're supposed to love the brothers and the sisters? I never knew that. <laughs> it's nothing new. But yet scripture comes back to it over and over and over and over again. Over and over and over again that we are to love each other that we are to show hospitality to each other, that we are to sacrificially be willing to serve one another because the world sees it, that we would guard against anything that would divide us, that would cause infighting and, and name-calling and division. See, the scripture says that when God's people dwell in unity, there is blessing and there's anointing. Psalm 133 there is blessing and anointing when God's people dwell together that way. Remember to love one another. Remember to show hospitality to each other. Allow the way you love, let it be, let it be a, a, a love that, that you're not afraid if it costs you something. Whatever, whatever that may be. Jesus said in John 13, he said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Amen. Everyone will know. We are his disciples. Not by just chapter and verse, not by just... Facebook, not, not by bumper stickers, not by little fish on the back of your car. People will know we're following Jesus by the way we love each other here because by loving each other here, it just bleeds out of these walls. Love each other. Amen. Father, I want to thank you for this simple word, but a powerful word. Please remind us continually that we are brothers and sisters, that we have one Father who is in heaven, and holy is your name. Thank you that you first loved us. And I pray a blessing upon this community and all the other communities that are meeting this morning in the name of Jesus.
Amen. 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 I love you guys. I'll see you next week.